0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you're well out there. The interview subject I have prepared for you on this instalment of the show is Pliny, Sydney Guitar Maestro. Easily one of my favourite guitar instrumentalists ever. Pliny has a brand new album out. November 27th it was released, so a few days back, more than a few days back, about a week or so back. It's called Impulse Voices, and it has has a great album cover. The music contained within takes you in so many different directions, and we've got a great descriptor to articulate just how broad a musical palette Pliny is using or presenting the journey that he takes the listener on. There you go. That frames it a little bit better. Anyway, here he is. Let's see what Pliny has to say. Here we go.
1: Put me on the line. I'll leave you to it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Janine. Appreciate it. Hello, mate. How's yours?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: Mate, I'm uh, ticking along fairly well, I must say. I'm in the middle of writing a couple of books, so I'm uh, dedicating uh. about... I've got kids, but I've still managed to dedicate about eight or nine hours a day to it. You know, mornings, middle of the day, and then late in the evenings, that sort of thing. Right. But uh, how, how have you been? How's the how's the how's the response been uh, to this new album of yours? I, I don't, I wouldn't expect you to remember, but we did have a, a conversation during the uh, release of the last EP, and I've always been incredibly impressed by your playing because I'm a musician myself, but. I just admire your creativity, mate, and the way in which you manage to make instrumental music not sound wanky and boring.
1: <laughs> That's my biggest goal. That's been it's been really good. Um, as always, I have very little like real metric of success to go by because I'm not gonna seek, I'm not gonna get a number one hit and <laughs> everything's streaming. But um. Yeah. I mean, all the comments are positive. All the numbers are big numbers or whatever that means. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about yeah. As, as good as I can hope for. Look, well, we are we are blessed to have you
0: this year because um, certainly uh, two of my favourite releases have been yours here and also James Norbert Ivanyu's. So we've had two outstanding uh, instrumental guitar-based albums come out in the one year, which is always a treat for people like me and fans of this sort of music. And in in one of the emails that Janine sent through, I noticed that you talk about having built a house for the listener to inhabit. And I think I understand exactly where you're coming from with that, because you've managed to conjure songs that they're multifaceted. They're like different rooms, if you like, but they don't go in a million different directions. Confusing the listener, like all the Dient guys out there at the moment tend to be doing, you know, the YouTube Dient brigade. So, you know, congratulations on, on managing that. But, Mate, is the overwhelming sense or the emotion that you have at this point now that it's out there and you're starting to get feedback and you mentioned the numbers are big, is it a sense of relief because of all of the bullshit that's gone on this year? Or or is it a bit more of an expectation that you really want to see how fans respond to you when you actually go out there and play live? Because I think that's your true bull pit when it's all said and
1: done. Um I'm not sure I even have an expectation like this, I think this album especially, I was so focused on the fun of making it that by the time I released it, it was just sort of like an inevitable thing that would happen and now I'm not really fussed either way, if that makes sense. I mean, I can't wait to play the songs live and I feel like they'll come across well because I've been touring so much in the last couple of years, I think now when I write there's more of a like subconscious knowing what energy is going to feel good live as well. It goes into it. Um, sure. yep. but yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I guess I generally feel good. Maybe I would feel differently if everyone hated it or no one cared. Um, I'm um, <laughs> biased yeah. by having a good time. Um, but yeah, now I'm just kind of starting to think about what's next. Is that right? Yeah. Cause,
0: uh, that's interesting, isn't it? So you you must have plenty in the riff bank so to speak. I guess that's not not the best way to describe your your music, but you know what I'm saying, you must have in the in the instrumental passage bank that you can draw on for inspiration on on, an, on another
1: recording, is that right? Yeah, I mean in a way, yes, but also every time I release something, I think um what I'm capable of making at the moment is not going to necessarily be any better or different to what I've just finished. So I need to, I guess this is the time where I need to like figure out what I want to get better at and then work on that um, before I really think about writing anything. Um, So I'm just starting to experiment with trying to write some heavier stuff potentially for vocals, um, but with no real timeline or um, intention of doing anything. But I think, that's a, like a songwriting skill that I don't have that I want to work on.
0: You mentioned something very interesting then, uh, you, you want writing to get better at things. So, I mean, I, I've always found your stuff to be of of superb quality, but of course, you know, as art, as an artist, no doubt you're your own worst critic, but what do you think you improve from Sunhead to
1: Impulse Voices? Um, I think guitar playing is better in some ways. Um, I think some of the, the, I guess, I don't know what you'd even call it, the lines, like just stuff that I played is coming from a more interesting directions than I would have thought of a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I think the songwriting, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's at least changed in that the structures are a little more free and hopefully they still come across as coherent songs, but in a less obvious way. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think, I guess when I say getting better, it's not necessarily something that you can measure the same way you get better at a sport. Like, it's not mm-hmm. about accuracy or speed or anything, but um, I guess evolving in some way to do something that still feels personal and has a point, but isn't necessarily the same style as in the past. Mm -hmm.
0: And look, I take it you you demo a lot of the material at home and you just work on it for as long as it takes to get it to a point where you feel comfortable with it because, you know, like a lot of great art, I get the sense that you never actually complete anything and when I say it's abandoned, you just stop where you are. But that's what I think I like. I haven't seen you live, but I've seen the YouTube clips and I think what I've enjoyed about your live performances that I've watched on video but I certainly look forward to watching in the flesh, is that you tend to expand on, on new ideas, meaning that, you know, of course, on a recording, it has to be more concise, but when you're playing live, you can sort of take it in all these brand new directions and you can present something very special in the moment to people that are in the audience. Um, but, you know, do, do you find that, that you take a song to a point and then sort of six months later you go back to it and go, oh, damn, I could have taken it this way even on the recording? Or are you pretty happy with the ideas that you capture on the recording as they are?
1: Um, A bit of both, like if I listen back to especially some of the older songs that we've been playing live for a few years, um, even subtle stuff like the way certain melodies are phrased has totally changed and I think the way that I play them now is more what I wish I'd done in the past but like I'm not particularly mad that I didn't think of it then. Mm. Um, And then with the, uh, the songs where something can get expanded or changed, I think that's that's one of the big joys of playing live, um, that I'm looking forward to getting back to because even like when we get into a rehearsal room before a tour, the new ideas start coming out. Cause it's like, I guess the audience will typically know what the recording sounds like. So it's more like, how can we be mischievous with what they expect they're going to hear?
0: Have you got a favorite song? on the recent release, the new album here, Impulse Voices. Is there, is there anything that jumps out at you even now, having, you know, of course you wrote the song, but with the release now being out sort of like a week or so, that you've got been given feedback and you're like, yeah, I agree with you, I, I love that track, potentially above all others.
1: Um, what I've noticed is a lot of people love the song Pan, which I wouldn't say I dislike, but I definitely think it's... uh. Not necessarily the most interesting song on the album. Um, mm-hmm. at least wasn't to me to make, although I still do like it. Um, I think the one that still feels the most like lucky that I somehow made it is the last track, Glass Bead Game. Um, because sure. it's just, it gets a little bit crazy in the second half. Um, which I guess if you drew a really detailed drawing or painting um like once you're doing it you're just kind of lost in the detail but then when you step back and look at it you might be like wow that's quite a mess that i've made here <laughs> a beautiful mess
0: though a beautiful mess and uh something else i like about the way you approach releases is that you are the complete package in that you actually do put a lot of effort into your artwork and this artwork here is uh just stunning i'd, I'd uh I've got two questions for you. The first one would be, are you going to release a T-shirt with that image that's on the front of the album in its hole, either on the front or the back of the T-shirt? And also, to, what's the inspiration behind the artwork this time around?
1: Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I probably will do at least something close to the artwork. Um, the inspiration... I don't remember exactly how it started. Um, I've always worked with the same artist, Alex, from Melbourne, and I basically let him know that I was starting to make an album and so he should start making the art, even though he hadn't heard anything about it or heard any of the music. Um, And I think the first thing that we aimed to do was a sort of abstract still life arrangement, so maybe have three or four things uh, that wouldn't make sense going together, but we're just kind of all balanced on each other on a table. And then that just started to grow. And then it sort of expanded from being the size of a table to being like a scene in some sort of fictional nature. And then, I mean, he does stuff like put the fish in the sky and then I'll say, Oh, what if you put a lighthouse on the back of the fish? And then it just kind of goes back and forth like that. Yeah. Um, until i guess sort of the same as some of the music where it's not until you step back and look at it that you're like <laughs> yeah i guess that's the artwork yeah it's killer yeah it's it's beautiful man
0: uh i i love it when i just put a lot of effort into this sort of stuff and, and talk about it and then approach it with the sort of attention to detail you've just described because uh, i do think it is i'm not going to say a dying art because there's always artists like yourself who want to put the effort into it but it's not that common these days you know and i'm uh, I came in at the... I'm 42, so I came in at the tail end of... I wouldn't say vinyl, but my parents had enough vinyl in their connection for me to actually study it, even those boring compilation ones. So I'd study who yeah. was in the, You know, who, like the... You'd see a lot of composite pictures and this sort of stuff, and I notice these days there's uh, a, a focus, if you like, on more modular shapes and fairly basic colours that don't really do much for me, to be honest with you, but... Uh, I mate, I'll reframe and say that I think it's been it's been a couple of years since Sunhead was released. And and I still listen to it by the way. Now, I might not be that plugged into what's going on in your world, but I feel like that was the album that put you put you on the map. But I actually think this is the one that will take you potentially into the mainstream consciousness. So is this am I on point there and do you feel the same way or do you feel
1: otherwise? Um I think I'm pretty sure that uh, more people will find out about my music because of this album. Um, I wonder if not being able to tour will have some impact on kind of like expanding the audience. Cause I've noticed um, the effect that Sunhead had might have been as much the amount of touring that I did with it as just the music. Um, Cause I went on tour with a couple of, Uh, bigger bands, like in this scene, um, Periphery and Tesseract. And like every time I go on tour with a band like that, um, I see my audience grows significantly. So I wonder if um, it might be sort of less of an impact than it would be if I was just about to go on tour with another big band. Um, Um, But I don't know, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: think you got you got mad respect in the underground. I I don't know whether you know that, but a lot of death like metal fans, you're sort of like their selected artists when they go into on death and black metal sounds.
1: Have you gotten any of that feedback in the past? Um, I do have a little bit of a sense that um people who might be more focused on other genres, maybe like super heavy stuff, or maybe more like in the jazz world, um they do sort of dabble in my music, maybe more than some other like instrumental guitar stuff. Um, I'm not sure why, but it's, I think that's really cool, and hopefully continues to branch out like
0: that. It's because you're not boring, and you're not just trying to play scales as quickly, scales, scales in different modes as quickly as you can, and that's that's what's infected <laughs> instrumental music over the last four decades or so. I, I, I come from look my uh, I, I play. I'm a musician too, so I tend to play covers. That's where I come from, and so I've learned—I oh, don't know how many songs I've had to play over the years. I haven't learned all of them because sometimes you play them once off, but it'd be nearing a thousand. Um, and you Man. get a sense, but you get a sense and a feel, don't you, for when someone truly knows how to craft a great song. Like I can't stand Brown Eyed Girl because I've played it a million times, or thereabouts, but but he knew what he was doing when he was writing the song, you yeah. so know, Ben Morrison. So you know what I'm saying? Like, you're yeah. sort of of that ilk, and that you're not trying to... I never get the impression with you, you're actually trying to impress anybody for that sake. It's just you're doing what comes naturally to you. It just happens to sound mildly impressive from a technical perspective.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to make interesting music, and I do play guitar, but... I think at this point it's more, it just happens that I play guitar rather than I'm writing music to showcase the fact that I do play guitar. Mm.
0: How was Nan at the beginning of the year? I take it, uh, I hope that you went, that still went ahead. It was in January, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that was fun. Um, In hindsight, maybe having 100,000 people in a convention center shaking hands wasn't the greatest way to start a year. But it was yeah, Nan's always fun, especially for me because I have almost no interest in any music product, so going to a convention that's all about the newest in music products um <laughs> it's just quite, it's quite a funny um, place for me to be. Um, but it's sort of the best opportunity to catch up with people in all the companies that I work with and see lots of music friends from around the world.
0: Yeah. Is it um I always get the impression that I hope I can ask you this question, I <laughs> will anyway. Um, there are a lot of hangers-on that go to those sort of things. You mentioned there's 100,000 there, and I remember Bill Hudson from I Am Morbid, and he's been in Trans-Siberian Orchestra, fantastic guitarist, and they're from Brazil, now in the United States. Um, but he was sort of making fun of like a lot of the metal and rock guys who have this uniform that he seems to wear, which sort of kind of looks makes them look like out, outlaw country and Western sort of people, but all black. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice a lot of that when you were there?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of the funniest uh, overall crowds. Um, it's, I'd say there's like a fraction of a percent of people there who look like they actually come from the present day. <laughs> it's a lot of like, yeah, it could be, it could be like a themed night at a rock club <laughs> for the most part. Like a lot of the <laughs> good uh, people uh, watching.
0: Good, good. I, I know what you're saying. I'm, I've look. I've spoken to so many bands at this point and artists and stuff, and I've spoken to these guys like Steve Riley and LA Guns. I'm definitely not having a gun at Steve and those guys. Those guys are no bullshit and the real deal. They live for rock and roll. That's their lifestyle. But some yeah, of the image is ridiculous. Like uh, not their image, by the way, but some of the, the way the fans are putting the hangers on. Like the uh, I call them the David Coverdale fan club members with the big hair shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. and, and I, I it's I, I look at it and think. So I'll, I actually an image like yours is actually to me is fairly perfect um, because it's relatable and I guess that's the point. But I understand you know Sharon Osbourne has built a career on making musicians look like as though they don't look like the audience. There was a famous man out there recently that J.K. Lee, uh, of course one of my favourite all time guitarists, because um, he was a fairly sort of rough and ready sort of a bloke. But by the time he got on stage with Ozzy, he looked like he was about to join a um. A Japanese pantomime or something, such as the the stuff that she had <laughs> <wearing> dressed up. <laughs> but it's it's always, Even when since I've been, man, I found that aspect of it really weird. I think, and being my age, I never liked Nirvana and she never liked those bands. But I could appreciate what they look like. They just look like regular people. I always preferred heavier stuff. Cor- Corrosion of conformity and bands like that are more far more my thing, and that they embody what I'm talking about. To a T, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never asked anybody about name, and I just wanted to confirm a few things. So you've done that, so
1: thank you. Yeah, um, I guess the funny thing is that a lot of a lot of people that come from the sort of bigger metal bands like that that might have a stage look will be there in non-descript clothing, and you won't even realize it's them because they're mm-hmm. like they just rock up in jeans, and it's like, oh, you're in Slipknot. Yes. Well,
0: yeah, the Slipknot guys tend to get dressed up well God, their images what are they called? called? Maggots or something, don't they? I'm not a huge fan of Slipknot, I must confess. <laughs> yeah. I've spoken to Joey. Joey's yeah. a tremendous, very, very shy guy, that drummer. But um tremendous drummer, I think as you know. But uh yeah, you wouldn't yeah. know if Slipknot walked in the room. They probably do walk around and cut off army shorts and death T shirts. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, you you're an independent artist and uh have you ever received you hear about this all the time, actually. Well, I do anyway. Uh, These 360 management contracts in the United States, in particular. Have you ever had a big management company or a label come to you and say, Plenty, you're here. We can bring you to here. All you got to do is sign your soul soul away
1: to us and we'll make it all happen? Um, it hasn't really gotten to that point. Maybe I should have let it. Like a few labels have reached <laughs> out, uh, but I usually express my lack of interest before it gets to like a draft contract or anything but maybe I should uh, like string them along just to see (laughs) what's on offer but even like the the fairest and most enticing deal that I was ever offered by someone that I really admire and think like is running a great label I just still couldn't convince myself that it would do anything for me that I couldn't Figure out how to do myself, just with Mm. the right people.
0: Sorry, who was that? With Devon sharing it?
1: Uh, I probably shouldn't, because I think what they offered me was like way beyond what they would typically offer a band. Yeah, Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's just the sort of the blessing and curse of making this sort of music. That there isn't really like some big manager. Like Quincy Jones isn't gonna. Bring me to America, <laughs> and produce me into the next star. It's kind of like I just got to write cool music, and then fans of cool music will come across it across like for the rest of my life, hopefully.
0: What's the? Can Can you share the the one that you can share? What's the strangest request that you've had from a, a label type or a or an um, artist rep
1: type? Um, they're actually they haven't been too strange because I think most of them are working around sort of still quite niche, maybe heavy music or that sort of thing where like they don't really have a huge budget for marketing or anything. It's more just like a, we have this network that we think can help you and therefore you should give us like a majority of your royalties for the rest of your life. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's a little bit underwhelming because it's not that strange. It's just kind of, feels like a bit of an outdated business model that's just trying but not necessarily that appealing these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you figured it out, though. You're a smart guy. You know when I think someone's trying to sell you something where it's heavily weighted in their favour. But I do think, like I meant what I said, I do notice that there is a trend amongst listeners of music that probably wouldn't listen to instrumental music from the heavy side of things on so bands that are on labels such as earache or metal blade um, I know I know there's a yeah. couple of Australian bands that are on metal blade at the moment but but uh, yeah that that'd, that'd be, just be interesting to see to see I don't think you could you couldn't fit into that box completely of course you couldn't because you're not doing anything like what Chris Barnes and six feet under are doing or anything like that or even what what's that other yeah. band from from Melbourne that's um got a uh harlots? I've spoken to that guitarist oh, yeah. singer before. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it'd just it'd just be interesting because I think um I mean I'm I'm I've just graduated from uni yesterday, so I'm starting to think about oh, congrats. a lot of thanks, thanks man, yeah. And I'm starting to think about a lot of this stuff with my my own um I'm writing books and about how I market them and uh, and I, I think you're pretty I think one thing we do have in common is um we're we're unique I think in our approach to things but that also means that, like, we stand out, but then how do you then appropriately market that and then take it to the next level? Because it is, you've got to think, I mean, as you bloody well know, you've got to think about these things because if you're going to pump, you know, $1,000 into a Facebook ad, you want it to reach an intended audience.
1: Yeah, and I imagine it must be maybe more difficult with writing because it's probably a lot harder to capture someone by, like, sponsoring a post of a paragraph of like an extract from what you've written as opposed to 30 seconds of a song. Um, like do you find that you're forced to sort of go to find a conventional publisher as a marketing tool or is there a way, is there a good way these days to be an independent writer? It's a question,
0: and to answer it, I I don't know. And the reason I don't know is because I still think it's been sort of – it's a bit like the industry. It's been smashed to pieces by the internet. And 25 years later, we're all still trying to figure out how to make it work. And there's a lot of charlatans out there, man, that that sort of tell you, you do this, you'll get this, but by the way, pay a couple of grand for the advice. And you think, "Mm." you know, but what what I've done, I've just tried to be as smart about it as I can, and that means that I've got a a resume starting in March at the Queensland Writers' Centre and State Library. So I'll be, I'll be. Oh, cool. all, all you can do, I think, is put yourself near to where expert advice is going to be given, as much of that as possible, before you spend a lot of money. And hopefully, to answer your question, I man, hopefully I get picked up by a decent publisher who wants to actually spend the money to promote the book. A couple of books that I've got. So um, that's that's all. I think, man, to be honest, all I can really do is hope. I think I've got the the product. It just comes to hoping that I can connect with the people who can sort of make it happen which I'm absolutely sure you can relate to.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, And I think that's something that's helped me through figuring out how the music industry works at all is uh, just becoming friends with different bands and then like hearing about what they know about the industry and then maybe talking to their managers. And I mean, everyone typically really helpful and friendly. Um, Unless they're trying to get something out of you. But for the most part, like, especially, I think Aussie bands as well, because we're all, like, so far away from where the majority of the industry happens. Yeah. Kind of a big family. And maybe that's also why there's, I feel like I could be friends or on the same label or whatever as some of those, like, super heavy bands, just because we're all making niche music in a small country.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh look, I'll tell you straight up, man, I'd love to see you out in tour with Cannibal Corpse, or more more but probably more to the point. I, I think that'd be just a, a wonderful or well, Trey is probably my favourite guitarist of all of all time, alongside of Chuck Sheldina from Death. And and I think yeah. what you're well, I think what you're doing, it's on the same football pitch, if you know what I'm saying, but or same quadrant, that you appeal morbid angel tends to appeal to heavy music fans who who truly enjoy great guitaring and you have that in space it's different but you know these bills that and i understand that you know it's tough to be adventurous when you're potentially going to lose tens of thousands of dollars i get that but <laughs> i think all it's you know yeah. what I'm, i think all it's going to take is for for someone to put bands at the polar end same spectrum like yourself and morbid angel together and i i all i can say is i hope it would be successful because man i would turn up to that show in a heartbeat <laughs>
1: You know, finger <laughs> oh, fingers crossed.
0: Mate, you, know, you never know. You never know. But you, you did talk about something else there. You know, we are far away from everybody else being down here, of course. I know it feels like we're really connected, but, you know, you've travelled. You get it, mate. It takes us bloody hours to get anywhere, effectively, between 10 and 20 hours. Much longer, 30 hours to get anywhere. But Australian instrumental musicians such as yourself and uh, Vanya, you know, you, you are, oh, I feel... You are creating music, and I noticed this in the comments in Facebook, that is the envy of the world at the moment. So do you think there's something intrinsically Australian about what you're doing?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, James is fucking amazing, and I think something that's very funny is we live incredibly close to each other, and we visit the same, like, parks and beaches and cafes all the time and never run into each other and have not planned to meet up because I think it's just funnier to wait for it to happen. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last time I saw him was at NAM. Uh, um,
0: <laughs> what's that 20, 20 maybe twenty a thousand Ks away from where you are now,
1: and you live yeah. next door yeah. to each other. Yeah, that's the irony, yeah. Um, and maybe it's sort of similar to how a lot of the great songwriters, like pop songwriters, are from Scandinavia, where they just have a long winter and nothing to do. Um, Maybe it's because we have a sort of relaxed music industry so there's space to just be as creative as you can without um, like accidentally trying to copy what's popular or that sort of thing Um, that could be it I'm not really sure Um, yeah actually I gotta I should ask James see what he thinks
0: yeah i've I've been communicating with him over instagram so hopefully we'll uh he's expressed an interest in catching up actually so hopefully that happens because i i meant what i said i think both of your albums are the two instrument probably the two best instrumental albums in terms of the amount of time that I've been listening to them um for the last few years probably since your last one actually i didn't i didn't really, oh, thank I, didn't you. really well, I didn't really know too much about james's stuff when you had some shows with him when when we last had a chat uh you were tour well, i think you were up here with him. Uh, I can't remember, but you know, I didn't for whatever reason. I neglected to check him out until this recent album came out, and I was like, "Shit, this is fantastic." So I, I just think that you guys are approaching this. You've just got that balance right. Oh okay, here I go. I tend to make fairly grand, grand declarations, but here's another one. You you are getting <laughs> a balance right that I don't think, and I know he's an absolute guitar god, but Steve Vai doesn't have because I, I can I can hardly listen to Vai. with you. Um, it's to, it to do fairly similar things, and I know people think there's a lot of variation in his music, but I tend to hear that he does different things the same way, if that makes sense. But I find with you guys, when you when you when you break it down, when you go into slightly jazzy territory, when you pull it right back, you're taking us into brand new musical territory. So, so I'm not again I know it sounds like a am shit on Vi. I'm not. That's not just my preferences and the way I to listen to things. So. But I I mean, I'm I'm starting to hear it. It just feels like as though we're... um, There's like this... uh, Something else I said to you last time that I put you up there with the Kevin Boriches and the the Ian Mosses in the Australian music industry in terms of impact on guitar playing, inspiring people to listen to more music and also potentially even picking up the guitar, which I think is crucial. Um, People who do that, people like yourself who do that, are so important because you know what's going on in the world, right? Well, a lot of that tends to dissipate with will focus on creative pursuits. It takes them out of the, the bullshit. Um, and I think with what you guys are doing now, you're going to inspire potentially a new generation of musicians, not just in Australia, but
1: worldwide. I mean, thank you. And hopefully that is the case because that's, that's probably... If there was a way to measure that, um, which I suppose I could just by guessing from what people... Oh, Sorry, someone's calling now i just got to try and... You're all right.
0: Okay. Should be good. Um, if you want to take it, go ahead. That's, that's no drama. It's just a, if
1: it's an important call, go for it. No, it's fine. I just I couldn't figure out um, which which button to press to not hang up on you. Um, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, I think more than more than like, like streaming numbers or anything, I a thing that I love, love hearing things. is from friends who teach guitar or work at music schools being like, some um, kid brought me one of your songs to work on this semester. Like, that's that's probably the most legitimizing thing that I can hear as feedback in terms of, like, my music is having a real effect on people. Like, mm. it's not just being streamed on YouTube, but someone likes it enough that, like, they want to use it as part of their journey of learning music. And I think that's really cool. And, yeah, hopefully what... Uh, what you say is the case for many people, because that would be amazing. Well, there's a
0: there's a, face, a photo of you on Facebook with Matthew from Trivium, who I know for a fact has inspired a lot of young hands to pick up the guitar. But isn't that interesting that you sort of find each other? You know, no doubt you've met and spoken to many artists. But when you when you were talking to him, did he give you feedback that he truly enjoyed what you were doing, and did you find that you had a lot of common ground?
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny because I am a huge Trivium fan and like learning their songs was a huge part of what I was doing when I first got into playing metal and like technical guitar. And then 10 years later or whatever, um, I guess where we have more in common uh, cause we're both just guitar nerds and like he's obviously super interested in what's happening in the world of new guitar players, and I'm still a fan of Trivium. And yeah, it's just, even though the music we make is totally different, I think we are both just are interested in making more music and seeing what's around to be inspired by.
0: Mm. It was interesting, I, I didn't realize that you were the first ever uh, instrumental artist to be included on, on the, was, was it, is it just Australian download or is it download full stock in the UK and wherever else it's played?
1: Um I'm not sure it was at least we were at least the first instrumental act to be on Download UK which I guess is the original one. Um and that was Yeah, it was just good. I mean it didn't seem like we were odd or anything. We played right before Thy Art is Murder in Maybe like one through. of the smaller stages and went over totally fine and then uh, uh, right after that was Guns N' Roses on the main stage. <laughs> um. But it, yeah, I mean, it, it worked.
0: That's incredible. It did, yeah, yeah, it's yeah incredible. we didn't, well. yeah, didn't
1: seem out of place. Yeah.
0: Mate, I'll make I'll make this my final question for you. So, are you, are you particularly inspired by any new music happening out there at the moment? Is there something that uh, gets a good run on your Android phone or your
1: iPhone fairly regularly? Um, I've actually been listening to a lot of the is murder like in the last Couple of days. Sweet. Let me, let me see. Uh, listen to the new ACDC album a few times.
0: That's pretty good. I reviewed it for Metal Obsession. Yeah, I quite. I didn't like their last couple, but I like that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed like High Voltage when it came mm-hmm. out. Well, not when it came out, but when I first heard it. First heard it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I suppose that's. I mean, like Meshuggah
0: and that sort of thing. The gods, yeah, the Gent gods. Uh, God bless them, there's mm. no doubt about that, but God knows. I mean, someone like um, Tosin Abasi, inspiring him is a wonderful thing, but there are so many of these Gent guys out there at the moment. Um, <laughs> not all of it is great, to be honest, uh, yeah, I've got to say. But, uh, yeah, Meshuggah's fantastic. I, I saw them at the at the Italy here, mate, and... Uh, Holy shit, intense, that's the only word I can describe. Intense is an overused yeah. word, but not for
1: them. No, they uh, they're just, I think they are, like the same sort of band as ACDC, like they're just doing exactly them for just years and years and years, and, years and it's just sick. Yeah, them and Tool, um, although I
0: can't listen to a lot of Tool these days, i got to say, sort of just things, probably because I've listened to so much of it as a kid. Uh, on uh, Undertow, and uh, what was the other one? Anima. But um,
1: yeah,
0: I just, find that, I just find that you sort of get inoculated with some music if you listen to it too much. Faith No same way. Early Megadeth. It's just if I put it on, it's like, oh my god, I've listened to this too much. I just can't do it, you know. But uh, that's that's a, that's a, a good price to pay, I think, for these artists, man. If they're uh, if they become part of your psyche so much that they're just a part of your, um, they just become. Part, almost part of your inner soundtrack, as I like to say, when you listen to these artists so often.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the same for like Led Zeppelin and Van Halen for me. If I can't think of what I want to listen to, any of those bands can just be what I want to listen
0: to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you a, uh, Do you prefer some of the the, the earlier stuff or do you prefer, or, or have you got a preference, I should say? Lee Roth or David um,
1: Lee or Sammy? Love them both, really. Yeah, I think maybe because I'm, like, it's not something that I grew up with, so it's kind of everything I heard was just bits and pieces from the whole period, like, different periods, so I don't have a real allegiance to one or the other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, fair enough, yeah. Mate, that'll do it. Thanks so much for the chat. Um Good luck with everything, man. I, I, I really I hope, obviously, that, that this, this bloody pandemic stops <laughs> and we can see you up here sometime soon playing on uh in brisbane or the gold coast mate it'd be lovely to see you on the gold coast actually man i know that there's a lot of musicians around here that like you Like
1: no, you, yeah
0: it shouldn't be too long i'm sure it won't be too long yeah maybe middle of next year i suppose when it's all sort of oh no it's not too long now i suppose we're out of it internally aren't we meaning within australia it's only international touring acts, yeah. well, i suppose has there been a lot of talk about, you know, just with the border restrictions being eased as of a couple of days ago, effectively? Um, but have you, have you thought about putting on some shows across state lines?
1: Uh, yeah, in the last the last week, really, I've um, been talking about it, and it'll be towards the end of next year if it happens, but I think it's probably pretty likely, so fingers crossed. Well, I'll get along to a Brisbane
0: or a Gold Coast show, so uh, I'll throw off some horns in the audience for you. But, uh, look, uh, <laughs> congratulations on the, on the album. Um, it's epic. Fantastic. It's in my uh, – I don't know where it sits in my top 10 yet. I've got to do the uh, the top 10 list up because for a few publications I write for, but it's in there. It'll be in there somewhere. So congratulations on uh, oh, just crafting a career so far, man, and I look forward to so much more music, especially as it sounds like as though there's an album, another one on the near horizon. So look forward to that too thanks a lot man have a good day you too brother all right catch ya you have been listening to the scars and guitars podcast series that syndicates for the a-list online and my name is andrew mackay smith that discussion featured plenty and i did something different there i actually used my apple airpods as the principal audio and microphone device the quality therefore wasn't as good as when I'm using my roadie Podcaster which is the industry standard but it gave me a bit more of an opportunity I think to walk around the room and start thinking of some more interesting questions to ask plenty on the fly so maybe I'll do it again I can't really clean up the audio any better than what I've done there I use Premiere Pro but I just thought I'd give you that feedback if you were wondering why my voice sounds a bit different during the interview that is thanks for listening to the show